Um, we're going to have some special guests this morning to come up and share with us. Um, but before I do that, just going to answer a couple of questions just from the last few weeks that people have asked, um, especially like once Isaac talked about uh, bringing in the wood to build the temple, um, about giving and things like that. And just had a few questions come through. I thought I'll try and address them best as I can from the front. Um, just so, because if one person's asking, there's usually more wondering about it. And then just address one from last week's sermon as well. Um, just on uh, loneliness as a single, what, what, what do I do about that? How do I try and combat that a little bit? So as Isaac was speaking to us, he was talking about um, bringing the tithe in and things like that. And that was one of the first questions that I had. Well, what's the tithe and what's the offering? Um, Simply put, a tithe is 10% of what you earn. Um, so what God's saying with tithing is that the first 10%, that's holy, that belongs to me. This is the Old Testament law. The rest of the 90% is yours. You do whatever you want with it. Um, I'll just look up that verse for you in Malachi about tithing and, and why we believe in that. Now, in saying this, I've already released everyone and said, look, there is no obligation to give anything. There is no obligation. You don't have to do anything because you are free to do whatever you want. Christ has made us free. Okay, so the tithe is a tenth and um, the way that we live our Christian life is this, by faith. We have to live, as we've talked about before, from the beginning to the end, it's by faith. Now, giving is one of those funny things because everyone will always... If you're not giving, you hate the giving message. If you are giving, you love the giving message because it's already resounding with you. But there's a whole lot of people in the middle that are saying, you know, wow, I've never heard this before. What's this all about, um, giving to God and building the temple? Okay, so in Malachi chapter 3, uh, this is one of the, the verses that Isaac just touched on. Um, when people said, you ask, what do you mean? When, when did we ever cheat you? Because God was saying, you've cheated me. He says, you've cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out, on a, pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insect and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of the heaven's army. So this is when God's saying, look, you guys, you've been cheating me by not tithing. Um, and so now you're under a curse. And what God's saying here is that there is a blessing in this giving anyway. If you decide this is what's right, this is what God wants me to do, then there's a blessing in that. He said, look, if you do it, I want you to try me. Give it a go. Maybe for yourselves, you could say, well, I don't know about this tithing. Try for three months, see what happens. Does God open up the windows of heaven for you or not? You might say, well, I just can't tithe, I don't have enough money. But why don't you get together with God, pray about it and say, how much, God? 1%, 2%, I can't give any more. Let's pray about it. And so you make an agreement with God by faith and you say, this is what I can give God, I'm going to be faithful in that and I'm going to give that. God doesn't need money. We know that in heaven. He owns everything. And even on earth, um, we looked at that story of the kid 
the, the loaves and fishes, Isaac mentioned that, I think, as well. But the whole point was that he gave what he had, but God multiplied it to feed everybody. Okay, so I would hate to think that as a church we're saying we need you to give because we've got these dreams, these visions. No, I just want you to give as God lays on your heart because whatever's not of faith is sin. And so what can happen is if you're giving and you're giving grudgingly, all you do is get angry and bitter towards God, get angry and bitter towards the church, you get angry and bitter towards every message that's preached from the pulpit because all the time you're just thinking, oh, they just want my money. No, but God needs money to build his kingdom on earth. Definitely does. And, and he's asked us to bring that in to the storehouse. What does it mean to have enough food in the temple? Can I just tell you right now that because you pay me to be the pastor of this church, that gives me time to study the word of God, to grow in the word of God and, and, and find God's will for this church the best I can, the best I know how, with his grace in my life, seeking him and saying, God, what do you want? It gives me time to actually pray for you, and I do that. I, I pray earnestly for everyone in this church. And hopefully, because I'm in that place of relationship with God, I can actually give you some good food. When I'm up here preaching, I'm hoping that it's feeding your soul and nourishing you. Now, what would happen if we all decided we're not giving anything to the church because we're just going to give to this, that, and the other? There'll be no food in the house. You'll have someone up here preaching that works really hard all week, gets limited time to seek God for the church um, and give the message. So there, there tends to be a lack of food. Well, what about even further than that? If we all decided, okay, we want to support this, well, maybe we can put on someone who's gifted in evangelism and now we can pay them because the funds are amazing. We can build our, um, our place that we've called the Life House and we can build it well and we can build it with quality and, and people would love to come there. But again, I stay and I stress, everything we do has to be by faith. And you know what happens? If you develop a relationship with God, these other things come more easily. Like I don't ever despise giving to anything if I've got the money because I love God and he's talked to me and it's out of obedience and love for him. So that's what a tithe is, 10%. And what he says, live off the 90%. I read something the other week and it said, if you're earning as much as the Joneses and you can live as well as them, then you're not giving enough. There's no sacrificial giving. But the difference is this. If God decides to bless you because you've tithed and he promised here in his word, he said, try it out. And you get more blessing. Actually, you live better than the Joneses and you'll give more than the Joneses and you'll have a better life than them because God's blessing has no sorrow with it. It says God's blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow. See, I can get rich by worldly means. We can see it everywhere. But do you know what? I'd have to probably manipulate. I'd probably have to lie. I'd have to cheat. I'd have to do all these dishonorable things to get ahead. I'd have to be covetous. I'd have to have something in my heart that just seeks money. And this is why it's a blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow because there's no badness in it. There's no, I'm not holding anything in my heart, no bitterness, no anger, no reaching for something, but I'm just worshipping God with my giving. So offering is above and beyond your tithe, but I'm not going to tell you how to do that because it's up to you and God. As Paul said, you know, determine in your heart what you're going to give, lay it aside on the first day of the week and you give it. It's nothing to do with me. I'm not the, the tithe sheriff. Don't want to be. I don't even care. 
Because it's about your walk with God. It's not about your legal requirement to do anything. It's faith, 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 faith. Everything we do. Because there's no blessing outside of that. Okay, what if my husband or wife is not a Christian and they don't want to give? That's a tough one, isn't it? Or maybe there's two Christians that don't agree on it. That can happen as well. What do you do? Maybe these are the things I thought of and, and I can't see it scripturally anywhere except for number one, you obey what God's telling you to do. You do that. God blesses that. And who knows, maybe because of what God tells you to do, the partner gets saved. Who knows? They might look and say, what are they doing? Maybe you earn different wages and you can tithe out of your wage. Or maybe you get an allowance that you both agree on, that you know, each get allowance or whatever it is. Tithe out of that. Just make sure that that's what God wants you to do, all right? But pray about it, everything, pray, by faith, by faith, by faith. Um, so that's one of those things that could be really tricky when you think about it. And that's why it's important, young people, don't marry a non-Christian. Don't. Because it's going to make you compromise somewhere in your life. There will be compromise. Um, when we talk about kids and parents and stuff, we'll talk about that later. If you've done it, okay, that's cool. God worked through you still. Don't worry about it. But make good decisions because you don't think about these complications when you're in love, but love didn't work for at least 50% of the people that got married because they got divorced. They got married because of love only. Oh, I love them, I love them. So we need to make sure that we're on the same page in those things. We're not asking anybody to do what's going to cause big trouble and problems, but asking to do what God says. Okay. Next question, just about, uh, am I cursed if I don't tithe? So we read Malachi there and it says, because you didn't tithe, there's a big curse on you. Guess what? You're not. You're just not. Because God in Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay? He's not going to curse you. The curse has been lifted, but his blessing remains. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So Galatians 3, uh, verse 10. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under the curse, his curse. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, if, if sorry, it is through faith that a righteous person lives. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham that we, as believers, might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Okay, so Christ became a curse for us. That's why I can get saved. You see, I never, ever qualified myself for God's salvation. And so I can't disqualify myself either because I'm in Christ. As long as I remain in faith in Christ, no, there's no curse. And that's why... You know, if we break it down to the law, we could say, well, if I don't do this, then God's going to curse me. No, he's not. God loves you. He's for you. He sent his son for you. And the blessing remains, but the curse is lifted off your life. Okay, so that's pretty good, isn't it? If you want to have a look what the curse is, go back to Deuteronomy. I think it's 28, chapter 28. Have a look through that. 
it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, so we don't want that. And, and thank goodness for Christ. He's come and saved us. Last question. Uh, just about loneliness. What do I do? You know, like I'm single, but I get lonely. Um, firstly, we have to know this, that God says he will never leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit's the comforter. He wants to have a relationship with you. And that's why last week I was saying, get close to God. That's your number one priority. Get close to God. Make sure he's the centre of your life and he will somehow fill a lot of voids that you have. Okay? Number one. Number two, be proactive. It's easy enough to say I'm lonely but don't seek friendship. And, And so what I'd say to you is, Find a small group or make a small group that you can come together with other people who are single or maybe even couples as well, whatever it is. But seek friendship. Look for it and be active in how you approach it. Don't just think, well, why hasn't the church got something for me? Because guess what? You are the church. Maybe that's what God's given you to do. Make a place where people can come and and feel loved and be able to share their, their dreams, their fears, their day. Um, so be proactive in that. And as you seek God and as you seek friendship, God will look after the rest. He just does. Because guess what? It's by faith. Again, we're in faith. We love God. We believe in him. We believe that he works on our behalf. We believe that he knows the desires of our heart and we believe that he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? He's out for looking after you and what you need, when you need it, he will give it if you're trusting him. You go outside of that, you're, you're subject to the flesh, the, the results of the flesh, and that's your choice. And I can't choose anything for you, but I can tell you right now, God loves you. He wants you to be in relationship. If you want to be married and you really want to, do, to be in that situation, God would want that too. But he would want you to seek him first above everything else. Okay. Now, our special guests. Um, just like to get Lyle and Kylie up here. And I'm not going to be preaching a message after these guys. This is, this is all about them this morning and what God's done in their life. Um, what I see in these guys is just amazing. God has transformed their marriage and as they start to share with you, you'll see that they decided they're going to follow after God and it has miraculously, honestly changed their situation. And a lot of people wouldn't know this. You'd sort of see them walk in and think, well... What a great couple, and they are. <laughs> and you sort of don't know what turmoil has gone on underneath um, and what has happened in the past, but I'm just so proud of them, not because, you know, they're anything special in the world, but because they've heard God's word and they did God's word. And guess what happened? Transformation, absolute transformation. So I'm going to hand over to them, and I guess at the end we'll pray for them and, and wrap it up and and just get you guys to think about what they're saying. And they've got as much time as they want. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Just start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity this morning for Colin and I to share what what awesome work you've done in our lives. And Lord, I just pray that something we say here today that, that you've given us, put on our hearts to actually speak today, that it might help someone else out there who may be going through or have gone through a similar thing. In Jesus' name.
Well, the truth is, I was a lousy husband from the start. I had no idea about what a real husband and leader for his family was supposed to be. I thought um, going to work and earning money to provide for my family was the only thing. And it seems really stupid now that <laughs> I was you know, such a little thing like that. It doesn't really mean that much. I was selfish and I thought it was all about me. I didn't include God in my life. I had an idea of who he was but didn't connect. Uh, I'd sit in church and listen and sometimes feel a stirring but it would always get drowned out by the world and my own selfishness. Then one day my world came crashing down. Um, Kylie tells me it's over and she wants a divorce. I begged her, you know, please, please, I can fix this. But she'd heard that before. She wasn't interested. She was like a mountain, like, that I just could not move. That's all I saw before me. She said, you know, you reap what you sow, and for the first time I really understood the meaning of that verse. I was absolutely crushed. I had lost everything that I cared for, and ruined my family at that time. You know, it was all my fault and a result of my foolish choices. You know, when you've dug a hole that deep, the only place you can look is up. And I did. I turned to God. And had some of the most sincere and honest conversations I've ever had with him in my life. Um, I prayed like I'd never prayed before. I read my Bible daily. And you know what? It, it's not just a set of good ideas in the Bible. It's, it's a massive revelation on how to live your life. Because he, he, he's the grand designer. He's the architect. He knows how it works and how it works best. It's all, it's all there, everything you need to know. So through his word, he began to show me how to love my wife, how to become a man worthy of her love and become a leader for my family. I prayed every day for renewal of my heart and mind, for forgiveness, for restoration of our marriage, for renewal of Kylie's heart and mind, and for her to be able to love me. This part of my prayers really didn't seem possible. I would need an absolute miracle. I met with Neil during this time and he was very helpful and honest with me. Um, He pointed me to God's word and I read it. Ephesians 5, um, starting around verse 21, is a great place to start for any man, any father, any husband, more important. Um, But slowly I started to feel different and I started to pray different. I began to feel a quiet confidence that God was in my life and he wanted us to have a great marriage. Uh, Not just to get back together and stick a band-aid over it. I began to think of, uh, sorry, I began to thank God when I prayed for restoring our marriage and for Kylie's love. Even though it hadn't happened yet, God was there reassuring me and encouraging me Then one day, God told that mountain, go jump in the water. 
and I've I've seen I've seen God move a mountain, and it was awesome. And Kylie agreed to try again. After that, I just kept on praying, reading my Bible with a thankful heart for God, had showed me His grace and mercy upon us. I hadn't just changed what I was doing; God had changed my heart. I felt inside, and my action just came so much easier now. I'm not perfect, but God has made me a husband, father and leader for my family now because he's shown me through his word what he expects of me. Now uh, we have a great marriage, a strong marriage and now we're on the devil's radar because he doesn't like that. He doesn't like it when we put our full trust in God and, and live the way God wants us to live. But we don't fear, for we know God is with us. And we keep God at the centre of our lives. My advice to others out there um, is make God the centre of your life. Read his word and pray. Very simple, but so powerful at the same time. If you want to reap a good harvest, you need to sow his word into your life. Without it, you'll always fall back on your worldly understanding and your worldly wisdom. And honestly, you'd just be another fool like I was. Thanks, that's all I have. Hi. Got to find the right page now. Okay. So marriage wasn't the party that I thought it would be. It was pretty tough from the start. I tried everything that I knew, everything that people I knew knew. We got counselling. And I don't want to knock counselling here either because we learned some really good skills, marriage skills, communicating skills, really good skills. It was good. But all the skills in the world didn't help unless we could change our hearts. And eventually uh, we got to the point I couldn't take it anymore. Everything was wrong. So we separated. And I didn't talk to God about this. I hadn't talked to God for a long time. I was angry that things had turned out the way that they did. But um, after that happened, Lyle, he hit rock bottom and he had nowhere else to turn, so he fell flat on God. And over the next few months, I saw him put everything into becoming a better man. But I'd seen his actions change before and it hadn't lasted. But eventually, I hit my own rock bottom. I was grieving for the loss of the dreams that I'd had and and realizing how hard it was going to be. On my own, I hadn't been well and the stress was just too much to bear. So I turned to God and it wasn't pretty. I cried and I yelled and screamed because really all along I knew what he was going to say. I didn't want to talk to him because I knew what he was going to say. He wanted me to stay. And I yelled, you know, how could you ask me to stay? Don't you know how much it hurts? Don't you care? He also wanted me to leave behind my distractions. 
things had been bad for a while and I'd picked up a lot of bad habits along the way that I'd used to help, to help me cope. Things that I tried to use to make myself happy. And God was asking a lot from me. But in the end, I decided to follow. And if I'm honest, I didn't really... I wasn't the picture of a cheerful follower. I was, you know, like when you tell your kids to go and pick up their toys and they do these ones. Uh, it was like that. But I did follow. And I told Lyle I'd, I'd give it another chance. One more. Even though in my heart I didn't really think it would work, I had so much anger and unforgiveness. I didn't think that it was possible to get rid of it. I knew I couldn't get rid of it. It was a mountain. It was massive. But slowly, as I watched Lyle change, and I realised it wasn't just his actions that were changing. God had transformed his heart. He really was a new man. He was living up to the Bible's description of a good husband. So I prayed for God to help me to forgive, to take away the anger. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew it wasn't possible for me to let go of that on my own. But I just prayed and then I followed. And day after day, little by little, it just went away. I didn't have to, you know, meditate for an hour a day and visualise taking all my anger and going and putting it in the rubbish. Nothing like that. I just prayed, I followed, and it just slowly, it just disappeared. And all of a sudden... Life was amazing. It just, it just happened. I didn't know that marriage could be like this. I didn't know it could be this good. I had this deep love for Lyle that just forgot the past. For the first time in my life, I was actually looking forward to my life, to the rest of it, with hope and joy. And it was the first time. And we, we even said to each other a few times, wow. So this is what marriage is supposed to be like. And I'm just so blown away that we almost missed out on this. And I just want to encourage you that whatever God is asking you to do, if he wants you to go, then go. Or if if he wants you to leave it behind, leave it. Because what God has for you is so much better than what you think makes you happy. He desperately is waiting to bless you. He wants good things for you. I couldn't see it at the time. I couldn't see it. But I think now that while I was screaming, God was there. He was holding me and he was saying, I know, baby, I know it hurts, but please do this because I have something amazing for you. I want to bless you. I want to give you joy and I'll be with you. And I know that this doesn't mean that things are going to be a breeze for the rest of our lives. But I know that we can face anything together if we just follow God. I'm so proud of Lyle. He's an amazing husband, father and leader. And I rest content knowing that he's diligently seeking God. I know also that there were people that were praying for us and people knew about this and they were praying. And I'd just like to thank you for your prayers because we needed it. And I'm pretty sure that the enemy, he walked away from us months ago going, oh, yeah, that one's in the bag. And off he went. And his head must have just about snapped off his neck when he found out what was going on. And he was back and he was there. 
But um, that we were okay, God was with us. And I just want you to know that you are looking at a miracle right here. I've seen God move mountains, and he can move mountains for you too. Whatever he's asking you, just pray for it, believe it, and follow him, and the mountains will just disappear. They'll just be gone. <laughs> just um, just going to ask a couple of questions. Lyle, what, what were the verses that really spoke to you? Um, especially Ephesians um, 5 from 21 onwards. Um, if that doesn't tell you what a husband's supposed to be, then I don't think you're ever going to find out, really. Um, there's a number of other good ones, especially in uh, Proverbs, uh, him to a good Proverbs, him to a good wife. Um, even in Deuteronomy, it tells you um, in verse, sorry, in chapter 25, verse, it's either 25 or 24, verse 5. Even back there, it says what God God expects of you: no man shall enter into the army or any service of any kind for at least one year. He is to be free to stay home. And not make himself happy, but make his wife happy. Like, you know, that's just one example, but Ephesians 5, definitely. Can you read that for us? And then just tell us why. Um. <laughs> this is my Bible. Where is <laughs> um, okay, and further submit to one another out of reverence uh, for, uh, as Christ did. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, is, for the husband is the head of, the, of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now notice too, a lot of people see, oh, wives, submit to your husbands. And men go, oh, there you go. That's only one line of that whole this whole chapter. The rest is all straight at you as to what your responsibilities are. Um, as the church submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And that's a big love. It's a sacrificial love. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And now we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say each man must love his wife as he, he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Kylie, <laughs> how did you see that actually activating in um, Lyle's life? I guess it's the little things that, that show how a person thinks, just just being a team and he would come home from work and not like, you know, sew his boots in and 
sit down and play the computer or something, he would come home and he would talk to me and he'd say, how was your day and can I help you with something today? Can I do something for you? And and things like that, even in the mornings, just helping me, just actually looked at me and what I was doing and thought about that, <laughs> you know, and just helped. And, and just the thoughtfulness, small things, but it's amazing. And then... And then that changes you, and then you do it back. So, so, so when somebody is thoughtful about you, then you start to change the way that you see them as well, and, and you want to do things like that as well. When, so from then when he came home, he would take his boots off, and I'd say, can I get you something to eat? Would you like something to drink? Would you like to sit down for 10 minutes before the kids jump on you? It just, it just changes the way that you see them and you want to do nice things for them as well. And have you got any favourite words? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so these two this morning have been very vulnerable to us, okay? So we're going to love them and care for them and not make this a talking point at all except for to know that, hey, God changed things for them. And when I've talked to them, and one day we were just sitting down, I said, you guys, like from day one of marriage, it was no good. I mean, day one, first day of the honeymoon, I remember Corley said, what have I done, you know? Who have I married? And it just wasn't right. And God restores things so amazingly. And, And we've even talked about having a new marriage date when it actually really started when the day that they both gave in to God and because of God working in their life like like they said that like they said it to me before it's like we didn't know it could be this good what and, and then it's like can this last <laughs> you know well yes it can because if you follow after God he will continually bless that and and keep you going together so This morning, I'm just going to pray for these guys, and we're going to just stand and worship, and that's our service. Um, But I would like to say, listen very carefully to what they've shared this morning, because it's life-changing. And you might think, well, my marriage sucks, or whatever, I don't know. But there's one key thing in what they've said. It wasn't reading the Word, it wasn't praying, that's not the key. The key is they did the Word. And that changed things. Because we can have a whole lot of knowledge, but if we don't do it, it just remains words in a book. And they're no good to anyone. So uh, maybe, I don't know, again, they've been vulnerable. Maybe this is a chance for you to be vulnerable as well. If you want to as a couple, maybe you think we're not in that place. Guess what? These guys did this without any great fanfare or anything. They did it themselves with God, okay? They did themselves with God and it's possible for your marriage to be amazing, simply stunning. As God moves in your life and just transfers his love into your heart, his forgiveness into your heart and and starts to bind you together with that one spirit. So, um, yeah, if you could give them another clap and and like I said, they've been very vulnerable and, yeah, yeah, thanks. Father, I just want to pray for Lyle and Kylie now. Lord, we just pray together as a congregation. Lord, just watch over them. Bless them, Father God.
Just keep the enemy away from that door in the name of Jesus. We just bind his work, Father God, and we just pray, your Holy Spirit, we just fill this relationship, Father God, that, Lord, it wouldn't just be good, it would be better. It wouldn't just be better, it would be best, Father God. Lord, that they would just grow, Father God, in their love for one another and you. And, Lord, that they would be a light to others around them. Lord, even their story would help change other people's lives. Just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.